smoking addiction or habit welcome to the seventh episode of hypno talks questions and answers with dr john butler and axel hombach this time we are going to look into this question whether smoking is in fact an addiction or if it is an habit and what implications does it have in how we deal with our clients or if that question has any effect on our dealing with our clients at all. My name is Axel Hombach. I'm the head of the Hypnose Zentrum Köln and I'm currently online with Dr. John Butler who sits in London with me on the phone. So let's greet John Butler. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. So now you've heard the question. We've talked about it a little bit before. And I'm now going to read to you the complete question that we found in one of the forums and we found very suitable for our seventh episode. So here now comes the question from our colleague. Is smoking an addiction or a habit? I'm interested in your opinion and or experience. In my opinion, we construct with hypnosis a new possible reality in the interest of the client. In scientific terms, this roughly corresponds to the approach of radical constructivism. Now, smoking is often described as an addiction, even in hypnosis literature. For explanation, psychological theories from behaviorism to psychoanalysis to systemic approaches as well as sociological approaches often are used, which often describe smoking as an addiction. In my world, there's a huge difference between whether I tell the client that smoking is an addiction and maybe talking about dopamine and serotonin, or whether I say it's a learned behavior that we are now going to undo. The term addictive is a trait of the person, the client, could fall back into as soon as he smokes one cigarette again. A habit is a characteristic of behavior that may have accidentally taken place again, out of a habit into a situation taking the wrong turn, which can happen. Even if we assume, and that's what I'm doing for example, that both are just different considerations. In my world, the terms have many implications as in the world of my potential clients. I cannot and do not want to discuss this topic with my clients. So my question into the group, how do you deal with it? Or have you had experience with it? And if so, which experience do you have? Do you have an opinion you want to share? I'm looking forward to a possible discussion. So, John, this is a very philosophical question, as we already talked a little bit about, and um, the question arises, does it really have an implication for the client if it is an addiction or if it is a habit? Well, Axel, you read it to me about 10 minutes ago, and uh, I realize there's so many aspects to this question and certain statements have been made very interesting in many ways but i feel just to give an answer that fits with these short talks i'll keep it very simple um, yes i have had a lot of experience working with smokers 
Some of my work has been filmed for national television. Now, hypnotherapy rests on a very broad base of theory. It's as a phenomenon of the mind. It draws on many, many theories and ideas, psychology, philosophy, etc. But we avoid unnecessary theories, especially with clients. They haven't come to hear our personal theories, political theories, personal theories, theories based on our values, etc. There's a grain of truth, one might say, in all of them. That's a simple way to say it. But, and it's something in my philosophy, we can draw on all of them but be bound by none of them. And so in psychology, theories are often used, misused, and we have to work with clients who are really not that interested in our theories in many ways. They want uh, concrete results. The labels and the terms are often fought over. The definition of addiction uh, is not at all clear, yet it's useful for certain uh, aspects of description of human behavior, but does cause problems, of course. Learned behavior is also a useful term at times, uh, but it can be very vague. And uh, people take extreme positions often about addiction, very biological, when in fact it's actually quite complex uh, biologically, the roles of dopamine, serotonin, opioids, etc., upregulation, downregulation, receptors, and so on, synaptic effects. And of course, the learned behaviors may say, well, we can have addiction without being addicted to drugs, addiction to more everyday things like eating and food or sex and so on. And then maybe because there's no drugs involved, the brain mechanisms are not major factors. But of course, that's not very arguable. It's a bit complex, the role of the various parts of the brain involved in simple gratifying behaviors and the synaptic changes. So we can become very dependent, if you want to call it, on certain behaviors, and then they can take over and affect our lives, become life-threatening, and so on and so on. So addiction is often used to help people become aware of how life-threatening the problem is becoming, and then, of course, they often have to deal with damage to the brain, the horrible effects of withdrawal. Hypnotherapy can help with all of that. By the way, I think it's very important to recognize that in some countries, addictions are very much a matter for medical and psychology practitioners to deal with and not for people who would be, let's say, hypno-coaches. My position when I talk about dealing directly with people with the problem, I avoid a lot of the theory and I see it as, yes, there's biological factors and yes, there's emotional, behavioral, social, other factors and I'm going to work with their mental addiction. In other words, the emotional dependency they have, what the drug may be used for to compensate emotionally. You know, they're very sad, depressed, so they make comfort eat or take drugs like alcohol to drown their sorrows or cannabis and so on and so on. So we look at what's underlying the behavior. In our therapy, I say, and in the classes that we teach in it, and we're teaching one in Germany in the near future, Will we talk about behavior being the expression of energy. And what emotional energies are underlying the behavior? Different reasons for different people, different triggers, social, family factors, biological as well even. But we're looking at what we need to do to help the person change, to take responsibility. It's okay to say social factors, you know, my, the pressures around me, my difficulty with my wife, she makes me drink a lot, that makes me drink, 
<laughs> but we can use social factors as alibis and excuses too. So our job is to motivate the person, to support them, help them take responsibility. And we do a lot of programming work with them of a very sophisticated kind. And we work with regression and, uh, and analysis, hypnoanalysis, or analytical hypnotherapy, as we call it, to get to the root sometimes of why and how they have become very dependent on this kind of behavior that's harming them, the excessive use of certain behavior, even if it's an ordinary, everyday behavior, but now it's dominating life in a way that harms other areas of life, or many areas of life, their social life, their health and so on, their, their work life, you know, their vocation. So our job is to move them along from the self-destruction that often goes with these unhealthy behaviors. Again, from self-hate to self-love, from anti-life behavior, more towards pro-life behavior, so to speak. Many people who are in a very severe form of unhealthy behavior have lost a lot of purpose in life or never, never been ever found in the first place. A kind of an existential vacuum. They may also lack an ability to find healthy rewards, pleasures in life. They've never learned about that. And we can help them, motivate and direct them towards new goals, new purpose for life, a new sense of self, and get that inner high, which is the real high, connection with life, connection with our inner power, connection with our own brain chemistry. I've shown some of that inner chemistry when I had a surgery that was filmed. I was told I needed general anesthetic for a hernia operation, and I used hypnosis as a sedative and a painkilling mechanism for the surgery. So we have a great deal that we can offer people, and we get on with it. We simply help them change that behavior, and the person is always more than their behavior. So yes, they can learn new behaviors, much healthier behaviors than they're currently doing that are harming them, and we can help them in the process, of course, change synaptic connections and be releasing their brain chemistry in very healthy ways that science has yet really to fully understand anyway. But we don't have to get tied up in social theories and biological theories or even Freudian theories and other theories. We, we take a very practical dealing with what emerges approach from the client's own interview, what they tell us about the behavior, and then we're going to form our therapy directly around what emerges in discussion with the client, in the therapeutic relationship with them. You mentioned the Transforming Quit course that you offer, and when we did the interview on this course a few months ago, you called cigarettes emotional crutches. And I think from what you've said, uh, you described that what we are doing in hypnosis with our clients, that we help to get them to get their own grip on life, to regain responsibility for their life and get rid of their emotional crutches. Absolutely. To build their confidence, self-belief, self-love as well, uh, so they're not damaging and harming themselves, wasting their money and time on, a, on certain drugs, chemicals. We're also helping them release their chemistry in a very new way. Of course, this is what we go into in depth in the course. We look at the research, which shows that majority of people use tobacco 
as an anti-anxiety, anti-stress drug. Let's call it that for the moment, just simply the use of a drug in this case, when they know that they can be relaxed, more confident, courageous in life, in other words, less anxious, less fearful, well, then they don't need the chemical. So we've given them a new direction. Rather than just talk about, you know, you're addicted, yes, we, that may, <laughs> it may be very important for some people in the throes of heroin addiction to realize the extent of the problem, and you may use language that motivates them, uh, not necessarily having to use the word addiction. But anyway, you've got to convey to them what you mean when you use any term, whether it's learned behavior or addiction, and avoid, of course, the false dichotomies, the artificial dichotomies we often get into in psychology with nature and nurture. Yes, they're separate, but they interact so much. Our clients really need us to motivate them and help them to discover how to get the real high of life. So as a summary of what you've said, in a nutshell, I suppose you could say that when cigarettes or any Azat tobacco products, if they are emotional crutches, what we are going to do with hypnosis, with analytical work, with suggestion work, is that we help them to find productive ways to deal with their life and so take responsibility again and not hand it over to some drugs like nicotine or similar stuff like eating, um, but be productive, find new solutions, new ways to deal with the uncertainties of life and even find a certain kind of thrill in it, as you said, finding the real high of life. Absolutely. New direction, new insights into themselves, into their power, new behaviors that are healthy, productive, that give them ways to nurture and give themselves healthy pleasures, rewards in life, without the chemical crutch. And so that's what we are about, as I said. We are dealing with changing mind and behavior, and that's the field we're in. We're not into putting them on or off, drugs and that's up to them in consultation with their physician what they do about their particular addiction luckily with smoking we don't have to usually worry with those kind of problems of withdrawal the very destructive well the very difficult withdrawal patterns and experiences for somebody who's on a very heavy drug addiction so from what you've said i understand that smoking cessation is more like helping people find new ways of behavior and then help them to make a decision if they would like to stay with the cancer sticks or uh, leave them. And in a way, that's in the purest sense of its meaning. It's coaching. Oh, absolutely. We are helping them change behaviors and these habits. Now, of course, the word habit in psychology is really a shorthand for habitual. Habitual can be anything from biting your nails all the way to habitual, violent behavior, killing, serial killing. It's behavior that's performed again and again. And of course, sometimes, uh, obviously, a psychopathic personality or very, very strange individuals involved in that. But the habit, whatever it is, we can get them to look at it differently, see it and understand it, give them new habits, new patterns of activity, new feelings, new emotions, We can point them all in that direction and then they are 
really on a different path, Axel, and then they become self-reinforcing in their own synaptic activity within the brain. The new patterns are laid down in the synapses, which are very, very different to the old ones. And yes, this is done through hypnotic coaching. Good therapist who has been well-trained in helping to motivate and change behaviors with, in conjunction with the client. Okay, so because we are now coming to the end of our time, would you have some last advice or words for our listeners? Well, I would say if you're getting good results with smokers, you already are helping people a great deal and more. It's a very good way to build your business. Smokers will come with other problems to you then, often about confidence or uh, other problems, issues in their lives, and they refer others. That those smokers will become role models for other smokers, and then you will build up a lot of a good client base. I think you can do great work with this. I mean, with the studies show maybe about 25 to 30% success with hypnotherapy, but those are therapists who are not, I think, necessarily trained in the most effective way but that's a lot higher than just general um, advice from your doctor it's a somewhat higher than most counseling methods including cbt counseling when you combine hypnosis with a solid base of understanding of psychological principles and your hypnotherapy is working at that level and you have tools like analytical hypnotherapy where necessary to use in these cases you can be getting a far higher success rate. That's my belief. That's my experience, at least. And the transforming quit course that we mentioned, that provides additional methods, additional tools, including some of the neurology of smoking from your background as neurologist and university teacher. So I guess this would be something that any serious hypnotist would like to have in their toolbox. Well, absolutely, because people learn it in most courses in hypnotherapy, but it's often treated a bit superficially, and therapists go out in the world and they're not always well-trained enough to deal with the serious smokers. So our courses are to help you bring your up your game, as we say. Even if you're doing well, you can learn to do better. And if you're struggling a bit, feeling a bit anxious, a bit lacking in confidence in dealing with smokers, well, this training is there for you. Okay, John, thank you very much for your insight and your knowledge. And as one trainer once said when I was still employed, your pearls of wisdom, Thank you very much and for now have a great day, a fantastic start into the new week and we'll be back soon again with the next episode. Have a great week too Axel and thank you for people listening and reading these transcripts and uh, I look forward to catching up on another topic in the near future. Goodbye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>